Hello and welcome to episode three of the Griffey's Naptime podcast. I am your host, Andy Patton, joined as always by Mikey Ajetto. Mikey, I heard you got yourself a new writing gig. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. I um, am going to be writing at Lookout Landing. Um, I think uh, Kate reached out two nights ago and we kind of hashed out some details and uh, the next morning got like the more um, paperwork kind of things out of the way. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm um, up in the slack and um, chatting with them already. Uh, it's really interesting. I, that's kind of where I got started. Like that's how I became interested in the analytics side of baseball is I was reading Jeff Sullivan 2010 and like mm-hmm. Dave Cameron and um, uh, like Matthew Carruth. Uh, so yeah, I'm, it, it kind of feels like I'm home. Yeah. I love writing at picture list and it gives me the ability, um, to just like so many resources, amazing culture, get to write about whatever I want. But, um, at lookout landing, it's like when I grew up, uh, like watching baseball, I grew up watching the Mariners and I like writing Mariners. Um, so it's just like, it's a, it's a perfect situation. I get to write about the Mariners at uh, Lookout Landing, and then I get to write about players at Pitcherless. So, um, yeah, I'm hyped. Yeah, man, I'm really happy for you. Lookout Landing is such like a, a haven for people who want to get into the sports analytics world, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you obviously mentioned Jeff, Dave Cameron, Meg Rowley. Like, there have been so many people who have been involved mm-hmm. in Lookout Landing and who have gone on to do like really excellent things at Fangraphs and other places. So, it feels like a really good landing spot for you, not only as a you know, Mariners fan, which is first and right. foremost, but as a fantasy baseball writer and analyst, I think it'll be, be a really cool spot. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so we're going to talk about hitters today. We kind of focused a lot on pitchers last episode. So we're going to do a little bit more focus on hitters. We're going to talk about Tim Lopes, who's having an excellent spring so far, what that yeah. could mean. Then we're going to get into the big boys, Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kellenick. We're going to talk about what we've seen out of them, whether they have a chance of playing in, playing with the Mariners this year or not. And then we're going to look at the, Mariners' recent outfield minor league signings, how their battle for a roster spot is going to look, you know, just what is Carlos Gonzalez going to make the roster? Does Mitch Hanniger's injury have an impact on that? So on and so forth. Uh, Before we do that, though, Mikey, I want to hear how you have been doing in the great fantasy baseball invitational so far and maybe a little bit about what that is. Yeah, um, so it is a huge competition that um, Justin Mason set up and it is like, I just feel like it's like the biggest event of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really cool that they, they host it on, um, uh, I think is it NFC or NFBC? NFC? Yeah. I've seen both, but yeah. Um, so they host it there and it's basically just like a huge collection of people. So <clears throat> I think there's maybe 250 this year. Does that sound right? Maybe 300. Yeah, I think it's 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 over 250. I think it's closer to 300. It's so it's just a huge group of people like basically um whole fantasy baseball community like the industry and then also they have some satellite leagues for just like readers to get into. Uh and Andy and I are both in that this year and a lot mm-hmm. of our pitcher list colleagues are. Um but yeah, essentially it's it split into a bunch of 15 team leagues. Um, and 
you're basically like you're competing against your league mates, but you're also competing against everyone. Uh, so it's really cool. It's almost like a nice cheap way of just having competition amongst a couple hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, but like being able to use the same players. So um, I think the most well-known person that is in my league is Eric Carabell. Um, so yeah, it's super cool. I have, I, I felt really good going into it. And then once we started drafting, I was kind of realizing like <laughs> I didn't do enough prep and like I've done multiple drafts this year, but I haven't done a 15 team draft. And so immediately I was kind of just like reeling. I was like, I got, I, I drafted Justin Verlander and Bryce Harper um, in the 13th and 18th spots. Um, and I was feeling really good for three picks, I think. And then I took uh, JT Realmuto and then Josh Hader. And after that, like right now, it feels like a mistake. And maybe, like, it, it just kind of feels like I. I didn't have to do that. And like, I kind of just, I think at this point, if I hadn't drafted them, I would have had a pretty, I would have been feeling pretty good. Like, like my roster is more well-rounded, but it's making it feel like I'm going to have to put in a little more work for a little longer to feel good about it. Um, So like, I don't know. There are people that have drafted Giancarlo Stanton and Luis Severino, and both of them have gone down with injuries uh, for varying, time but um yeah i would feel better about my roster had i not drafted them um yeah yeah. for the record for the people who don't know it is a two catcher league so i feel like real muto real muto excuse me carries a lot more value in that format so at least it's not as bad yeah and i had that in mind and then you know part of it was i was looking at the adp and i was Mm -hmm. like i don't know why hater and Muto are falling so far mm-hmm. um, and I think Real Muto especially was kind of egregious but um, also you know it's partially because one's a catcher and one's a reliever so um, yeah I feel I feel pretty solid about my team but um, yeah it just kind of feels like I have some ground to make up um, so yeah I, I actually just got Corey Kluber at 10 one one eighteen, one oh eight, something like that. Uh, and I don't think that he should be falling that far. So no. pretty hyped about that. And I I wasn't planning on, on taking a pitcher uh, for another two, three, four rounds, but he just kind of fell in my lap. So take it. Yeah, hard to argue with that. Uh, I yeah. ended up with one. Of, I'm one of those people with Giancarlo Stanton. So you know, not so not oh, so happy about yeah. that. Right? One spot before George Springer, or two spots before George Springer, one before Vladdy Guerrero. Uh, right before Charlie Blackman, Chris Bryant, all these people that I'm staring at that I could have had on my team instead of Stanton. Yeah. So uh, did, what was I going to ask? You were the the earliest person person to take him, right? Sure was. Yeah. So that's real, yeah. real fun. Uh, silver lining is it might not be that bad of an injury. Yeah, right? it doesn't sound like it's going to be horrible, but. I mean, he's a very injury-prone guy, so it's not the thing that you want to see coming out of spring training. <laughs> right, right out of the gate. Yeah, but, yeah I, it could I have be worse. a very injury-prone team because I have Stanton, I have Joey Gallo, 
I have, I mean, Shohei Otani, we'll see what we get from him. So I'm just <laughs> a little nervous. Just yeah. a little nervous I mean, about my hitting. I, I also liked your, your... in a row. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe maybe <laughs> a bit of a panic there. I mean, one of them's Otani, yeah. so three and a half pitchers in a row, I right. guess. Yeah. Um, well, for what it's worth, I, I when I saw your roster, I really liked it. Um, that's good. Could be worse. I mean, um, Severino's out for the year with okay, so. Yeah, I think it was Eric Cross at Fantrax who yeah. fell asleep and got out and lost. Got Severino, so that's he's a sick. He's sick. And, yeah, and yeah, I guess he slept in a little later than usual. I actually woke up. I think it was today. My days have been weird for the past mm-hmm. couple of days, so they're all like meshing together. Mm-hmm. But I woke up and I look at my phone and I refresh the draft and I'm up and there's five minutes left. Oh, there's geez. five. <laughs> so I, I, uh, um, I hop about the bed, turn my swag on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then run over to my computer. Uh, and I think with like three or four minutes, I took someone, I think I took Tommy Pham. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would have ended up with Severino. And at this point, they've they've taken they've changed Severino's ADP so he doesn't show up and he's not an auto pick. But I would have ended up with him if he slept in for five more minutes. Oh, that is brutal. Yeah, I saw Crazy. he finally disappeared on ours. Yeah, so that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I'm feeling pretty solid about my team. It's just like um, I just had a lot of confidence going into it and feel like I just made some silly mistakes. Yeah, I think these drafts too. A lot of it's going to be how we do towards the end. I mean, we're I, my final pick is pick four hundred and thirty six overall, so we're going to be picking dudes who aren't oh, often yeah. picked in a lot of fantasy yeah. drafts. So if we can hit on a couple of those guys, it changes the dynamic of these leagues a lot. So we'll have to right. see how that goes. Yeah, it's going to be a long process. Going to be fun though. All right. Speaking of people who I I, I don't think Tim Lopes is going to make his way onto a lot of a. Uh, TG FBI. <laughs> I, I hope not. I mean, I love Tim Lopes, but I think that'd be just a bit of a reach. But he has been having an excellent spring. Uh, he's pretty much I, he's gotten on base. I think every time he's come up to the plate so far in the spring, unless I missed something recently, uh, battling for a utility spot, had a really nice start to his major league career last year, which kind of came out of nowhere based on what we'd seen from him in the minor leagues. Uh, Mike, have you seen anything that leads you to believe he's due for a kind of a post high breakout, or is this a little smoke and mirrors? What What do you got? Um, yeah, so I like Tim Lopes, you know, like for what he is. Um, like he's raking right now. He has he has four doubles and I think two games. Yeah. Uh, I like his kind of what he offers more than Dylan Moore. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't actually know. Uh, I'll be honest. Like I don't completely know what his defensive reputation is but Mm -hmm. from what i can kind of like just remember and gather it's it's okay um i think there's something like a d gordon kind of um package here Mm -hmm. i think he strikes out more um but he steals a lot he i assume plays adequate defense um just like he was a league average hitter last year so that's good but he didn't hit for any power and that was with the juiced ball mm-hmm. um his his zips projection is like pretty miserable it's yeah. like it it's it's playing almost the entire year and not eclipsing one war um which in a year like this i think is fine and i'm fine with giving him all those reps especially if it means 
he can um, give guys rest, but he just he doesn't impact the ball. He um, he wasn't especially good in the minor leagues. Like his his exit velo is um, eighty five miles per hour, and his, he's only three barrels and eighty three batted balls, which um, is like you'd like to see like I don't know at least six. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like a three point six percent barrels per batted ball event. Um, and then yeah, like even last year, which was pretty solid, you know, for him. Um, he only had a 290 X Woba compared to his 318 Woba, and then um, a 313 X. How do you? I always struggle with saying this. A 313 X Woba Bacon. There we go. That's um, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I think he's fine, and I I think he should probably make the team over Dylan Moore, but it's just kind of like he, he's definitely really. Cat- and what he can do which you know he's a utility player so we're not asking the world of him but um yeah be, being projected for a 74 wrc wasn't super ideal yeah i i didn't i never really liked doing more um like I, he didn't he just he's not really all that good i definitely would prefer tim lopes i'm i think i'm the high man on him i had him he's technically still a prospect barely um, yeah and I had him 14th on the Mariners dynasty ranking, which is probably a little bit too high, but obviously because it's fantasy focused and because Tim Lopes has proven that he can steal bases, I think he's at least relatively interesting. I'm mm-hmm. very kind of perplexed by Zips's projections for a couple of reasons. I think first mm-hmm. of all, projecting uh, 532 plate appearances is wild. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure where that would come from unless Shedlong gets hurt immediately and also yeah. D. Gordon gets hurt immediately. Yeah, um, <laughs> Lopes defensively, I I kind of looked it up a little bit while you were talking. Uh, mm-hmm. He played some third base in the minors last year, obviously played second base in the majors and the minors, and then played a lot of outfield. He, We don't have advanced analytics on his defense, at least I can't find them uh, in the minor leagues, but he made nine errors at third base, so I don't feel like he was great there. Yeah. But he was decent at second base. He was decent in the outfield. So I think he's, I don't know if he's played a lot of short, which would be kind of something you would want out of your utility infielder. Dylan Moore is not mm-hmm. capable of playing shortstop either. I mean, yeah. I think we'll try him there, but it's not good. <laughs> um, I don't know. Lopes, he doesn't have a lot of power. We talked about that. 10 home runs in the PCL virtually anybody could have hit 10 home runs in the PCL. I don't yeah. find that exceptionally interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like the speed. I zips again, going back to that. I mean, they have him with a 299 on base percentage. That's well lower than pretty much anything he's ever put up in the minor leagues. Yeah. I think he'd be better than that. I, I get that they drop his walk rate because it's harder to draw walks in the majors, but I mean, he walked 11.7% of the time last year and they have him at seven. I don't know. I, I feel yeah. like he might have a little bit more patience at the plate than they're giving him credit for. Again, I don't think he would be elite over 500 plate appearances. I also don't think he's going to get 500 plate appearances. No. Yeah. If he gets, you know, 250 plate appearances, steals eight to 10 bases, which seems perfectly reasonable, I'd be surprised if he hit 245. I think he could hit a little bit better than that. He's still, you know, I mean, He's a utility infielder. That's you know that's what you're right. for. I think that that's perfectly fine for the Mariners. I think they'll take that. I think there's 
the outside possibility of like a an Austin Nola type kind of ascension where all of a sudden he becomes mm-hmm. somebody interesting. It would yeah. take either injuries in front of him or a really random power surge, which again, with the juice ball could happen. Austin Nola hit home runs out of nowhere last year. So <laughs> anything right. is kind of possible, but he's, he's somebody I'm going to uh, enjoy watching this spring. See what, see what he can do. Yeah. I, I don't know if you remember this from last year, but I, I still have that image seared into my head where I think we were playing the Rangers and Dylan Moore made three years in an inning. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like I just watched him at the plate and I've, I've seen what he's done at the, the minor league level. He hasn't really amazed anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least Lopes last year was a league average hitter to go with, you know, decent defense and a lot of speed. Um, Moore doesn't have that and obviously he can struggle defensively Um, and then he ran like a 33% uh, strikeout percentage so mm. um, yeah like I think this is Lopes's job um, I don't know how much spring training performance is going to play into this but um, it should be kind of his to lose like he would have to I don't even know what would have to happen and for him to be awful, like he would have to get hurt. Yeah, I think, I think so too. I, I think it was already his position before spring training started. The fact that he's hitting mm-hmm. well will only help. They do have Donnie Walton, who was not good in the major leagues last year. They have Alan Hansen, yeah. who I forgot they signed until I looked on roster resources a second ago. <laughs> he's yeah. not good. Jose Marmalejos is vaguely interesting, but I don't yeah. think that he can play. I'm not sure if he can even play the middle infield. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think it's Tim Lopes or Bust and Patrick Wisdom. I think he's just a corner infielder. So, yeah, he hasn't yeah. looked great either. I mean, mm-hmm. well, it's so it doesn't mean a ton, but um, it we have a ton of like yeah. Patrick Wisdoms. It's yes. crazy. Like Dylan Moore's kind of a Patrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just keep we just we won't stop adding Patrick Wisdoms, and I get it. It's kind of guys with uh, pedigree that have kind. Flopped or guys with like sort of pedigree, but not really, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of hope that they can turn it around. But um, <laughs> it's just like, how many of these guys can we fit on a roster? Because it doesn't seem like that many. Nothing is more Mariners than signing guys like that and then playing them out of position. It's the most classic <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, why sign a bunch of infielders and then just turn them into outfielders? Like, it's, it's hilarious, especially because like we. Have have good outfielders mm-hmm. like i would consider them good outfielders um so yeah i don't know i mean wisdom's flashed like a little bit but mm-hmm. he's not a super high draft pick and he's almost 30 so right. um does he options left so i guess we could uh, he'll probably just end up at triple a so whatever yeah. so Mikey, I could talk about Tim Lopes and the utility infield battle for probably hours, and I'm I'm not even that's not even a joke. I could, but I think yeah. as as entrepreneurs and people content creators, we probably need to give the people what they want to hear. And while it's probably not Tim Lopes, it's probably something about Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez because those are the guys that are the future of this team. 
Yeah. They, we've seen a little bit of them so far in spring training, not a ton, but we've seen some of those ever famous spring training batting practice videos where everybody looks really good and people get super hyped about watching a guy hit batting practice balls really far. Mm. I don't know if it means anything. I don't know if you have any new thoughts on these guys or just old thoughts on these guys. If we're going to see them in 2020, what the ceiling is, how bad the Mets are going to regret the Kalanick trade, anything that you got on those guys. Um, well, with, with Julio, I think, and like I said, like everything that I'm going to say about, you know, seeing them or for the most part is going like, well, it's spring training, but I will say that I think it's kind of doing a, a good job of highlighting, um, where Kelnick and J-Rod are at and their developmental, um, I guess just developmentally. And mm-hmm. J-Rod struck out three or four times today. Yeah. Um, and I, honestly, I think Kelnick, if we wanted to, if we didn't want to, like if we were more competitive mm-hmm. um, and needed him more, I, I honestly think that he could come up right now and I think he could hit. Yeah. Um, I think he would probably, I don't know how well, play i think that's you know that's super Mm -hmm. speculatory but i think j-rod would like struggle quite a bit um i think kelnick is just so much more refined right now as as it pertains to his hit tool and he's just like it's so impressive and i think it was greg johns there was an article that came out today i believe where he's just rubbing off on everyone and i'm sure Mm -hmm. j-rod is too but like it helps when you're just hitting so well um, so honestly, I, as it pertains to like 2020, I feel as good as I did about Kelnick and mm-hmm. I'm a little lower, uh, on Julio than I was before, just because I've already voiced some concerns about like, I feel like people aren't acknowledging that, you know, he does swing and miss like it's, mm-hmm. it's not awful, but like, um, don't think we can fast track him um definitely this year and he could make it next year but i think i think everything would have to go right and he's a teenager so like i don't think we should expect that so kelnick um i could see him making it this year um i think he'll definitely make it by next year but julio i i don't think he has a shot um he's too far and i think um, and I, I, this, I hope this doesn't come across as me talking down on Julio because like b- both of what these guys are doing, like it's absolutely bananas. Like Julio just turned 19 mm-hmm. two months ago. Um, so like, I don't know, he, in his, you know, super, super, um, short stint in high A, like he tore the cover off the ball. Mm-hmm. Kelnick has, has not really slowed down at any point, but um yeah what do you what do you think about um i don't know the two of them (laughs) yeah julio yeah it's really hard to evaluate prospects in the lower levels with regards to strikeout rate i think like it's a difficult like this the the hitters who end up being really strikeout prone the tools the outfielders with strikeout issues you know the guys that the milwaukee brewers somehow always collect the (laughs) north brinson keon broxton Byron Buxton, you know, those guys, you don't, you don't see those issues until they get into higher levels of the minors. So that's why they have so much helium as prospects is because 
you know, the guy could hit 15 home runs with 12 steals in a half season in rookie ball and strike out 12% of the time. And he looks like he's a superstar, but then all mm-hmm. of a sudden he gets to triple A and he strikes out 26% of the time he gets to the majors. He strikes out 32% of the time. And those tools don't matter as much. I don't necessarily think that's the case with Julio, but he did strike out 22 and a half percent of the time in high or in just a ball mm-hmm. in 67 games. So again, it's not a huge sample size, but I do think it's something that will, pre- it would prevent him from being a super quick riser through the minor leagues. Again, I would be stunned if he made it this year, just because he's 19 and why would you rush him up to the major leagues for no right. obvious reason? <laughs> yeah. But I, my, my suspicion with Rodriguez, I also don't want to be down on him like you are, but my suspicion is that this year, a, he's not going to hit 462 in high A like he did in 17 games last year. Yeah. But he'll, he'll start out in either high A or single A. And I think he will hit well. I think we'll see power. We'll see speed, but we'll see like a 24% strikeout rate. And that's, and he's, you know, he'll, he'll still hit for a decent average, but you know, we haven't seen a huge walk rate from him either. So. I mean, obviously his numbers will taper off. They were ridiculous last year. I don't think this a very bold prediction, but I think it'll, it'll dim him just a little bit. And then hopefully what'll happen after that is that some people will start working with him on the swing and miss on the plate discipline as a whole. And he can make some of those corrections, which I think he can because he's really freaking talented. And Just, then it won't yeah, really, insane. Yeah, he won't really be an issue long term, I don't think. But you know, people said that about Byron Buxton for going on six years now. <laughs> it's still a right. problem. So um Kalanick, pretty much echo what you said, to be honest. I thought you said it really well. He doesn't need to be rushed up to the major leagues this year, but he could probably do it. Um mm-hmm. I think it was I wrote the top 25 hitting prospects for pitcher list for 2020 specifically. So not overall just for this year. And I left Kellenic off of it and a couple of people commented about that. And I just, if he does debut this year, it's not going to be to like when Kyle Lewis did last year, then he's not really worth some, not targeting. I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on him getting more than a hundred at bats in the major leagues this year. Like if I was taking an over under, I would take under, I might even take under 50, I would take over zero because I do think they'll give him a shot, if anything, just to appease the fans at the end of the year, which is kind of what they did with Kyle Lewis. Right. He had a good year in double A, but he was, he'd never taken a single swing at triple A and he had a 29% strikeout rate. And they called him up because they thought it would be fun. And you know what? It was super fun. He had a bunch of home runs. <laughs> it was great. I could see them doing that with Kellenick. I also don't think he would struggle. I mean, he, he won't struggle with strikeouts nearly as much as Lewis. I think he could come up to the major leagues and legitimately hit. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't see a compelling reason to do it super early, kind of for what we're about to talk about. There's a lot of outfielders that the Mariners have. Some of them aren't great, but most of them are okay. And there's just a yeah. of them that I don't see any reason to rush Kel. He might be better than the options they have, but there's not a huge reason to to supersede those guys and bring him up unless he's right. absolutely ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he starts the year in Double A hits 400, moves up to AAA, hits 320, then okay, fine. We'll, we'll call him up in June. But if he's yeah. showing any kind of struggles, anything <laughs> that he needs to work on, there's absolutely no reason to rush it. The Mariners have rushed prospects in the past. It hasn't gone well. I would strongly suggest trying to avoid that this year. Yeah. Um, I found, it took me a while to find J-Rod, but uh, Kalnick's, and Nick Gurley has has wrote about this at Pitcher List where we analyze uh, swinging strike rate a lot. Uh, 
as it pertains like for pitchers, it's really important, but for hitters, there's kind of a give and take. So like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can like, if you swing harder, you're going to hit more home runs. You're going to hit balls harder, but you're going to swing and miss more. Um, Kalnick has a strike rate of 12, which mm-hmm. is like pretty solid. Um, and Julio has a swinging strike rate of 16.1. Mm-hmm. Um, it's for Kalnick and a plus ball and Julio and an a ball. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty clear that Kalnick is more advanced right now. Yeah. Um, I think there, there's kind of a chance that Julio turns into kind of a Kyle Lewis type, I think. Yeah. I, I think that people think it's more kind of a foregone conclusion that he's just going to be good, like mm-hmm. really good. And I think there's a good chance of that. Um, but it's just, it's so early to say because he's, you know, he's, He's 19. He's barely, he's barely past a ball. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've definitely, I've seen a lot of people put Julio above Kalanick at this point, and I understand it because he might have just more as it pertains to like home runs, more potential. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Kalanick's just a more complete player. And the fact that like he could potentially play center field a little bit at first and the way that I think his body has already started to mature, I don't think he'd be able to do that over his career. But like I just see him across the board as a, a, a stronger player. Um he's just so impressive to watch. They both are, but Kalnick like has amazed me this spring. Yeah, I had I had Kelnick above Rodriguez on my lists and in mock fantasy prospects drafts that I've done, I always took Kelnick first. And I definitely have seen a lot of that helium with Rodriguez and people taking him first. And I'm just I'm I'm less likely to mm-hmm. overrank really young hitting prospects just mm-hmm. because I it's hard to read those numbers. Obviously you can watch them and see that they're physically impressive. And Rodriguez is one of them. And right. like Jason Dominguez of the Yankees is a young prospect that I rank really high because I've seen him and he's ridiculously good. But I think Rodriguez and for that matter, Noel V Marte, who I really like, but has gotten a ton of helium around him based on his performance in rookie ball. And I'm like, I think he's going to be really good, but what we're, we're going to see the pendulum swing when he, the first time he struggles when he's, you know, a 20 year old in high A, which is really advanced and he only hits right. 260 instead of 330. And then everybody's going to be really down on him. It'll just be yeah. this big cycle of people really loving and really hating a prospect when they're just developing what I would consider fairly normally. And that's mm-hmm. what I think is going to happen with Rodriguez is we'll start to see some struggles. It'll scare some people when in reality, he's just as good as he was before. Mm-hmm. Kalanick. I don't think we'll see that. I think he's just going to be good. Obviously he'll struggle in some capacity. Nobody's perfect, but I think his, he's like, we've talked about, he's much more of a quick to the big leagues. Like I'm just going to hit my way through all of this and continue to do what I do and be in the big leagues probably by September. And I I don't know what's going on with zips, uh, but they have Kelnick playing 113 games uh, and he's already like they already have him as like a decent major leaguer, like at 20. Um, they have him for 19 home runs, 13 stolen bases, uh, a percent walk rate, a 29% K rate, um, and an 85 WRC plus with a 0.4 war. So 
like that might be better than Malik Smith this year. Mm-hmm. That's kind of insane. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know how, how higher I could get on Kelnick. I'm, I've just been so impressed with him. Like he, I guess like in high A, he, um, he struggled with the strikeouts a little bit, but then in his kind of cup of coffee and double A, like they went back down and he, mm-hmm. he tapped back into more power. So, um, I'm so excited about these. I can you believe that we got them for for Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano's like five year contract? Yeah, it's insane. I mean, we got well, we got Kellenic in that trade. Rodriguez was a um. How did we get Rodriguez? I think he was just a. I think we just signed him, right? Yeah, he was just a signee. But to get Kellenic for in that trade, and then to get Justin Dunn, who we talked about last episode, who mm-hmm. could be decent. The other piece is Gershon Batista. He's probably not going to be anything but he, he's, he's well flashed a, a little bit um this spring he's uh i haven't seen him pitch a ton but i've heard good things and i've, mm-hmm. I've seen a couple clips um he had like it's basically just, just as with any um you know flamethrower he's he's got a super good fastball and a wipeout slider it's just about you know throwing close enough to the strike zone so we'll see with him but um this could turn out to be just so 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 like so bad for yeah. the Mets and so good for us. Um, Andrew Perpetua, um, the creator of X Stats, is often in the Discord and <laughs> he's a Mets fan. And every time I, I talk about um, Kelnick, he's just like stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, super hyped about about both of them. All right, so <laughs> this isn't really the correct way to phrase it, but the outfielders who are quote unquote blocking. Jared Kellenick, nobody's really blocking him. Yeah, right. Himself, but the <laughs> outfielders who are a little bit in front of Kellenick right now, obviously we know that Kyle Lewis is most likely going to start in left field. Jake Fraley is now going to start in right field while Mitch Hanniger is recovering. Malik Smith, I guess, is going to start in center field. Uh, but the Mariners got themselves some depth. They signed some other guys. They already had, I thought, a fair amount of depth. But now they brought in a couple more free agents. Obviously, Carlos Gonzalez was the most notable. He's a non-roster in Batee. He has been a handful. He's been an all-star handful of times. Been a really good player. I watched him hit three home runs in a game when I was in Cincinnati once, which was really cool. Um, And then they signed Jose Siri as a minor league free agent from the Reds, and Colin Cowgill, who I did not know was still trying to play baseball. (laughs) So. couple of guys coming in do any of these guys have a shot of making the roster are they just here to fill out the b squad in a minor league game kind of what what do you think about these guys coming in i think that at this point in their careers i think jared kelnick and julio rodriguez might be better than both cargo and colin cowgill yeah i could buy that they're cargo's 34 cowgill's 34 basically Mm -hmm. um and like they've, I mean, Cargo was a phenomenal player, um, mm-hmm. you know, as recently as 2016, but Calgo's never been good. So no. it's kind of interesting to me. Like, I do you think that he's more than a body, like at all? Like, do you think there's any universe, like any parallel universe in which Calgill makes a roster? No, I think Cowgill must have a good reputation as like a 
clubhouse guy as like a mentor. Like, I'm not even trying to be disrespectful to him. That's genuinely the only reason I think he could be around is (laughs) like, maybe he is going to transition into coaching. Like he, I mean, he hasn't played in the major leagues at all since 2016. Mm -hmm. That was nine games where he hit 0.83, which is, you know, always fun when you read a batting average that doesn't start with even a one. Um, The year before that, he hit 188. I mean, he's never been even remotely good. I think mm-hmm. he's just a human to have in camp to play catch with the young guys, to teach him the web, the ropes a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's, I think he's one of the first cuts. I, I don't see how it could yeah. really be any other way. Yeah, I agree. And like Andy said, like when we talk about players, we never want to be disrespectful because they are mm-hmm. 10 times the athletes that mm-hmm. um, both of us are. But yeah, I, <laughs> I think I haven't even actually like seen him on the field yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been kind of, I've been trying to balance just a, uh, a bunch of stuff right now. And so I'll mm-hmm. like have a game on, but like not really be paying attention. Um, so I haven't actually seen either of them, but like at least cargo was a, basically a two war player in 2018, mm-hmm. but like Calco hasn't even played like since I was I mean, like, what was it? 2016. Yeah. That was the last time major leagues. And that was nine games. Like, yeah. That was a different time. Like, uh, what was going on in 2016? Like, our <laughs> I had, we had a, a different president. Yeah, I was three. I was th- three different jobs from where I am now. Yeah, see, like that's insane. Uh, so I wish the best to Colin Calgo, but yeah, I I don't. He has a shot at making the roster at all. I think he's um a below replacement level player at this point. Yep. So, yeah. For the record, he's one for three with two strikeouts and a single in his two games of playing for the the Mariners. So there you go. That's, that's basically each key from like 2001 to 2007. Yeah. It's pretty good. Basically the same. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Cargo is also one for three with an RBI and a run scored. Huh. It's worth. <laughs> so, I mean, like, doesn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am surprised that he hasn't played that like more than that though. Right. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it must be more of a thing where, um, it's almost just like a uh, what do you call it? Uh, basically, like a, a showcase for other teams, maybe mm-hmm. like that just need bodies because there are maybe some teams that don't have the options that we do. I mean, I I know that we didn't necessarily um, before, but mm-hmm. yeah, it seems weird to me that they're that almost that they're even here. Like, I just feel like, um, I guess you need to give guys time to just um, acclimate to playing again, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just seems silly since we have so, like, so many young, talented, like, I think that's our best group is, um, at, at least in terms of proximity is our outfielders. So, uh, it's just funny to see like 34 year old cargo jogging around in the outfield, especially because yeah. he's never been a good outfielder. No, I think they'll give cargo at least a little bit longer look at potentially being a fourth outfielder. I mean, he hasn't really been good since 2016, like we said, but even in 2018, he hit 276, 99 OPS plus, 16 home runs. I mean, that's okay. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, he was real awful last year. He played partly for Cleveland and partly for the Cubs, and he had 200. It was, I mean, with a 51 OPS plus, he, he was awful. And I think yeah. he's probably toast, but I think they're at least going to give him a little bit of a shot, more than Calgo. But I mm-hmm. think the guys they've brought in recently, Jose Siri is the only one who I think they're considering for a potential spot. He's 24, which much more fits the, <laughs> the time frame that they're yeah. looking at. He's been in the red system since 2013. I feel like he's been around forever. I know. You know he has never, he reached AAA for the first time last year, was not good at AAA at all. He had 186, but he was pretty good in AA. He had 11 home runs, 21 steals, 104 WRC. Plus. He's still got huge, huge strikeout issues. Yeah. So kind of your classic power speed outfielder with strikeout issues. You know, he's. Mm-hmm. He's a younger version of Keon Broxton. I don't think he'll be nearly as bad as Keon Broxton was last year, or if he is, they'll they'll just cut him. But right. Zips once again has a kind of odd <laughs> prediction on him. They have in 513 plate appearances, they have 13 home runs and 21 steals, which would be really cool. But then they have a 40% strikeout rate and oh a my. 90 batting average, which a team would not put up with for 500 plate appearances. Even the Mariners would not deal with that. Yeah. No kidding. That's odd, but I think he could be an okay fourth outfielder. I'll admit to not knowing a ton about him defensively and whether he can play all three positions. Even I don't really know, but if he's capable of that, I could see him competing for that spot a little bit, but at the end of the day, I think he's probably just another body as well hopefully triple a depth if they can keep him and nobody else claims him i think they'd really like that but that's probably his best case scenario yeah i mean i i do think he's an interesting body um i've i've read uh did you did you see that what was it it was uh the article that came out about uh bat flips about what about him and like um how he purposefully um, let's see. I'm clicking it right now. He says he purposefully uh, bat flips on pitchers if they're racist. <laughs> I did see that. Yes, <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever heard. Um, so I, I mean, that alone makes me. You know, I'm like, you're you're cool. Like you're, <laughs> uh, you know, like I'll watch you in spring just because of that alone. Over guys like Colin Calgill, but um, I think actually. Um, cause I was actually trying to find series swinging strike rate and, mm-hmm. uh, it is impossible, but I actually think it's a good segue to, um, guess who, well, I, I mean, I kind of just telegraphed it to you. Guess who leads the Mariners since 2017 in upper level. So double A, triple A swinging strike percentage. Are we talking about the, like somebody who, is just about to be out for the rest of the year. Yeah. Is it Dom Thompson Williams? It is. Um, yeah. <laughs> he has in double A in 115 games, uh, 479 plate appearances. He had a 17.6 swinging strike percentage, which oh. is really bad. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, I know that for pitchers, you can just take your. I mean, it's just a rule of thumb, but for pitchers, I know that you can um, just take your swinging strike or swinging strike percentage and double it, and it's mm-hmm. your K percentage. Um, I guess we can try it out with um, Dom right now. Uh, it doesn't 
work out totally. But yeah, like there's a reason why his, um, he ran a, a 32% uh, K percentage in 2019. So yeah, this, uh, I, I think I said it maybe last podcast. I don't like to talk about trades and the context of winning and losing it because teams are doing it for different reasons. And mm-hmm. it's just kind of silly because there's, there are such long-term implications of it. Like we've seen, uh, Taiwan Walker come back to the Mariners and not right. do a lot for the Diamondbacks. Um, but so far the James Jackson trade isn't looking mm-hmm. great. Um, I actually was like pretty interested in, in Dom Thompson Williams uh, when he came over, but he had a pretty like underwhelming year. Um, 12 home runs, 15 stolen bases, a, a 90 WRC plus and, um, an average, a 234 average and, and an OBP south of 300. So, um, yeah, he still seems to be pretty, um, pretty raw. And like his, I was a little surprised because people were, were interested in him and I was when he came over, but like his scouting grade still, um, like Fangraphs has him as a 40 grade player. So, mm-hmm. uh, that is looking increasingly likely with the day and he's going to turn 25 this season, um, and also spend all of 2020 rehabbing. So that's not ideal. Yeah. He's an interesting one because his profile, like all of the numbers he's put up, even the strikeouts and stuff, I would be really intrigued if he was 22, <laughs> but right. the fact that he's about to turn 25, his only, the only at bats he's gotten over high A were with a 234 batting average, a 298 OBP and a 32% strikeout rate. Like you said, I mean, you can't wait for this guy to develop because he's, he's I mean, he's already almost 25. He'll be 25. Right a month after opening day. And now he won't play again until he's 26, basically because he's going to miss this entire year. Yeah. I, I think that the, um, the ceiling here at this point, it, it kind of already was coming into this year, but now with another year lost, I, he could be a fourth outfielder with some intrigue. You know, he could be a, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think he's, he's not nearly as fast as Jake Marisnik because that guy flies, but something yeah. like that, where you have a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed, a whole bunch of strikeouts, Again, I, I don't know exactly how good he is defensively, although I think he's been praised for his defense. I think yeah, that- he's 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 a pretty I would call him like a, a plus defender. Maybe um, I forgot actually what the injury was. Did he tear his ACL? It was a knee, I thought, but I'm not sure. Yeah, so like the speed yeah. might go away a little bit too, which is going to yeah. impact field. Um, yeah, I, I still think that he could be a useful platoon player, but like I said, it's. Um, you know, it's becoming more um, uh, or less likely by the day. Yeah, it, he he. I don't think he projected into this outfield mix really much in 2020. Anyway, he might have gotten a shot towards the end of the year, but now with another year gone, assuming that by next year, if if Hanniger's still around and healthy, they'll have him. They'll have Lewis. They'll have Fraley. They Kellenick will be close by then. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. at that point, he's kind of just already on the outside looking in. So I, I kind of think, you know, he's still got a shot at some point, but this this was a rough time for him because this was probably his best year to get a at least a cup of coffee and maybe do some mm-hmm. payment there and potentially find his find his, find himself another job. But now it's it's gonna just get even more crowded from here. Speaking of um Taiwan Walker coming back, uh and like in terms of the trade, mm-hmm. I think there's a good chance that we get James Paxson back. 
next year. Yeah, I could see um, it. Like, I don't, I don't remember what his comments were about leaving for New York. I mean, it's not like he was going to be like, I hate New York, but right. um, I think he, I do remember him saying he was a little excited. Um, but I like, I kind of think, especially if we're starting to turn it around and he can be our ace, mm-hmm. um, I don't see any reason why we couldn't get him back. And like, and then we'd have everyone, we'd have him, Justice Sheffield, DTW, and Swanson, right? Swanson, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I think, I think there's a chance that we, we pull it out, but, um, it's, it's really not looking amazing for either side. No. And the, Mar- the Mariners have a uh, obligation to have a handful of lefties in their starting pitching rotation. So maybe Paxton will help even things out. If they call up Logan Gilbert, you know, they need to have another lefty to, to make mm-hmm. sure things are even. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see about that. But um, I've been pretty, I mean, on, on the hitting side, it's been pretty bleak, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, just like watching all these guys roll over second base but um i i know that nick specifically is like wow i think i'm higher on justin dunn uh than i was yesterday um and i liked what i saw today too um i did see because i've been wondering all day the camera angle is awful but i was uh wondering if he threw his change up and it sounds like he said he did Mm -hmm. um his fastball looked really good his slider looked solid um, his command still wasn't super refined. And, and Nick talked about like mechanically how he has just like, he kind of gets going slowly and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden everything just, you know, comes out and he throws the ball. Um, and he talked about kind of that being the repeat repeatability of that and, and it being more difficult. But um, overall, I think, Dust, uh, I almost call him Dustin Jun. Jun uh, <laughs> showed kind of what I want to see out of him at this point. Um, I'd just really like to see him at least using all of his um, pitches just so you know he starts to gain feel for them. But um, yeah, him and Justin Sheffield have looked solid thus far. So um, I'm encouraged about that. Yeah, I, uh, I got into a, a, I won't say fight, a conversation with somebody who and I did the top 25 pitching prospects article as well for 2020 and Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn were both on there, obviously. And um, people were arguing that they didn't think that Justin or Justin Dunn would throw as many innings as I predicted. I think I predicted like 70 or something, which isn't crazy, but somebody was yeah. telling me that Ian Anderson's going to throw way more innings for the Braves than Justin Dunn. And I was like, I just, the Mariners don't have as many options. They really like Justin Dunn. They like him as a rotation piece. Like, We've seen some promising things out of him. Like, I don't think he's going to crack the rotation right away, but I would not be surprised if he throws, you know, makes eight, 10, honestly, 12, 15 starts this year. I could yeah. see it if injuries hit, which obviously injuries are always something that happens. So I think he's going to, I don't know how good he's going to be. I think there's, he's going to have some growing pains. We saw that last year. He's still got some command issues, some repeatability issues in his delivery, like Nick talked about. But I think that there's the potential for him to have. I think he'll have some good starts, some bad starts, some encouraging things, some stuff he'll need to work on. But I'm I'm excited to see him this year. I think it'll be fun. Me too. I th- and I do think that if he's pitching well by midseason, I think we will see him come up. Especially, I don't necessarily think he'll be the first in line mm-hmm. as a, like in terms of injury. 
because I think we'd just call up someone like Chen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they do want to him some more reps if they can. Right. Um, but I know that like at Lookout Landing, Nathaniel Baird, he kind of is saying like, I don't know why we wouldn't just go with a six man rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of makes sen- sense in terms of, um, you know, keeping Kikuchi healthy, Marco healthy. I mean, we have like a bunch of guys who are not a bunch, but like, um, Graveman is, is injury prone as well. So, um, I think it makes a lot of sense to, um, slot him in and then like Gilbert at the end of the year. So, um, yeah, I think by, by September, our, our rotation could look plenty different than it's going to look on opening day. Well, that is, I think this will become typical of us, Mikey, just based on what I know, but we're going to end a podcast all about hitters by talking about pitching because we can't <laughs> help ourselves. I know. Um, anything else you wanted to say before we move on? Um, no, I don't think so. That's about yeah. it. All right. Well, that was episode three. Once again, I am Andy Patton. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Patton, S-E-A, and you can find Mikey on Twitter at Mikey Ajetto, P-L. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, pretty much wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you can also support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Pod. We will eventually set that up with some access to some perks as well, so you will be able to get to that. Uh, all right. Thank you for listening, and go Mariners. Go Mariners.